Okay, first, yes, I did buy my wife a book called The Myth of Multitasking. Doing that task while doing something else, it will take you 66% more time to effectively do that one task. Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. This is a podcast based on the discussions of three educators as we attempt to use the 23 minutes that all teachers have for lunch to change the world, or at least our teaching for the better. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh, Edit Your Best, the Teacher's Lounge. Uh, so what do we got for lunch today? Uh, some soup, uh, a Mountain Dew, and some chips. Excellent. What you got, Ross? Pizza. Pizza. Granola bar. Pizza and granola bar. <laughs> and celery. <laughs> Keep Keeping it all on the average. Keeping it healthy. Keep it healthy. That's right. I have, I have a plate full of Doritos, so it works out. Okay, so uh, I'm going to be a guest on the Two Pint PLC podcast. And what we're going to be talking about is the digital native. The, the study, the most read article in one of the educational journals was the fact that the digital native is a myth and that multitasking is a myth. Uh, now, honestly, Ross, this is kind of your bag because you've been on this for a long time, especially on the multitasking thing. So, summarize your thoughts there. Okay, first, yes, I did buy my wife a book called The Myth of Multitasking because I was tired of her telling me that she could multitask. <laughs> and it came across it somewhere and I was like, that's a myth. Now she read it. I didn't actually didn't even read it. <laughs> she just read it and she told about it. So I've yeah, I, I guess is where my background knowledge comes on it. And what it is is the sense that we mistake what people consider multitasking. Because my wife's thing was always like she would start one chore or one project and then do something else in the middle of it and try to do two or three things at once. And I'm like, just finish one thing at a time. Just do one thing at a time and get done with it. And I, she would say she could multitask. And basically what she was thinking is what we call background tasking, which is where, okay, you're switch tasking between two or three things at once, which is I'm checking my email while I'm having a conversation, but I'm also then doing something else. And mindless tasks like that at times you can pull off two at once, like eating and having a conversation as long as your mouth's not full. You could do those things. But like as far as actually focusing, you can't. Your brain can only focus on so much at once. And once you're focused on... I don't know, your phone, you're instantly, I can't remember what percentage it is that you lose, but you lose like a huge percentage of your focus to something else. And so, so that's what I think we are, we see with our kids and they think it's cell phones, but it's not that. It's when their Chromebook is out and they're doing something, I can't expect them to actually be focused on me because they're going to be focused on their Chromebook, even if it's an educational task. Well, and I think that's it. I think the key to this is task switching. You're yeah. moving back and forth. One thing that the research said is that when you are task switching, there is actually a cost to efficiency. Mm -hmm. And that cost to efficiency is approximately 66%. So doing a task independently, if that equals 100% time, doing that task while doing something else, it will take you 66% more time to effectively do that one task. So when you multiply that by double the tasks, now you really start to see loss. And that makes sense because every time I sit down at my computer and I say, oh, I need to do this real quick. Oh, here's an email notification and I go do that. Well, now 
I have to mentally reset my brain to say, okay, now I got to go back to that other task. And every time we mentally reset, that's that's a cost. Now, in the education environment, we fill our rooms with technology. Okay, right now we're in a one-to-one school. Now, we don't have to be in a one-to-one school. It could be a BYOD situation. It could be a CART situation. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be technology because technology does not have the monopoly on distracted students. Students have been distracted in classes, I'm sorry, since before there was electronics. Um, And so moving from task to task, we have to understand that there may be a benefit, but there's also a cost, especially if we attempt to make people do two things at once. Yeah, I remember reading an article, uh, gosh, it's 10 years ago now, so I don't even know how update the research would be. But it was about even just grade schools. Why don't grade schools go to periods and have teachers that are like, you're the third grade math teacher. Why don't we do that where like we do it in high school and junior high? Like, is this, wouldn't this be more effective if you had a specialized math teacher for elementary school kids? And one of the things in the article is about the fact that it's not even just the lost time that you lose switching between classes, it is that lack of that lack of that lost focus for the child or someone helping them to focus. Whereas whenever you have the one teacher in the one room with them all day, say for a couple of times, like they they are better at switching their focus than whenever they have to leave a classroom, go to a new room, or I guess even maybe you have the teacher move, but that sounds dangerous. Leaving the kids unattended in a single classroom for a bit. But um, yeah, like just anytime you switch what you're doing, you do lose some. And I will say, not to plug another podcast, but um, Chris Bailey has a, a book called Hyperfocus. And I just listened to a podcast about him talking about it, talking about how much you lose all this stuff and when you're switching your focus and task. Oh, yeah. Well, and if, if I think about it, I run a flipped classroom. So my classroom is fairly tech heavy in outside mm-hmm. of the classroom space. But inside the classroom space, unless I'm giving them kind of a choice time where they can do this thing, that thing, or that thing, I'm not using the tech at once. And in fact, one of the things I picked up was even having a student write notes while you talk still brings the same cost. Yeah. This idea of, well, they have to take notes so they'll pay attention, that's actually counterproductive. Well, that's why I pause a lot more. I mean, I will sit there and I'll tell them, like, write this down, I'll give you a second, and I don't talk. I let them write down because they can't listen to me give instructions and write down their stuff at the same time. So I'm like, all right, guys, copy this down. I'll step out of the way for a second, let you copy it, and I just keep it quiet. Right. Because – and also with that, like, so what I've done with the Chromebooks is now I'm like, fine, don't worry, I'll put a link to this in a Google Doc, share it with you today, so you can go back and mm-hmm. read through this so you don't have to write this down yeah. while I'm trying to get through some more examples, uh, but you have that right there to refer back to rather than mindlessly writing it down. Yeah. Well, and that's, I've centralized all of my stuff. Now, I mean, this is the basis for learning management systems. This is the basis for a lot of ways you can organize your classroom. But it, unless you're having students do a guided note where the purpose of the activity is literally finding information, placing it into a usable format, having students take notes is not an effective tool. Now, if you say, well, but we use Cornell, we use this or that. Well, okay, yes, teaching a student to have a structure to their notes is better than a student that doesn't have structure to their notes. Why do we have to do all these things at once? 
We, we need to be specific about what we're doing at a given time. Even if you're doing centers, they should only be doing one center at a single time. Uh, and that center may involve writing something, collecting information, but they are switching tasks. They should not be doing multiple disparate tasks at the same time. So technology, the implication for me is we need to be very specific about what we're asking them to do and what we're asking them to use. Because more, for the sake of more, is not more efficient. Uh, you, we, we, we are counterproductive, I think, in that sense. And I think we also need to be mindful. It's easy to throw out there, well, this is technology's issue or because you're using classroom tech. And that doesn't matter. Does, I mean, I tell people all the time, pencil and paper is technology. And you fiddle it around with your pencil or your paper, we wouldn't think, of, no, 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 it's not. No, yeah, it is. 2,000 years ago, pencil and paper would have, would have been amazing to have. Yeah. And we just gotten used to it and just assumed that it's natural, and it's not. And so the ability to write things down is a great tool to have, but it's also something kids can write notes with now or whatever it is. But as a teacher, you can't expect them to do this drawing, I'm going to talk over you, and I'm going to do this, and you should be getting all three things at once. You have to prepare for the sense of, here's a moment for you to have your brain let it settle in. Well, and that also brings us back to the different types of students because some uh, high-functioning students are good at task switching. Mm -hmm. They can be theoretically accomplishing different things at different times, although it would be impossible to convince them that, no, you're actually being less efficient because, well, partially it's impossible to convince a 16-year-old of anything. But... They, they are good at task switching, so that loss can be acceptable to them. But in other classes with other students, task switching causes absolute disruption mm -hmm. to, their, to their mental process, to their organizational process. And so not only do you lose the traditional cost of trying to multitask, you compound it because of the lack of executive functioning. Yeah. And so that becomes yet another problem. And again, I think, it, I think though at the end... It's not a technology issue. I think it's just a natural issue we don't we didn't have data for or, or didn't have a way to look at it in the same way we do now. Attention is important. <laughs> just you can't get to short-term learning to get to long-term memory unless you've got someone's attention anyway. It just doesn't happen. And if they're focusing on other things or their brain isn't settled in on what's going on, it's It's useless. God, then, what a long bell. That is the longest bell. In fact, we're leaving that bell in just as an artifact of our working conditions. So uh, I, thanks, thanks, guys, for joining me on this one because I, I wrote a giant blog kind of just to put my thoughts down. Because, again, I am, even though I'm fairly tech enhanced, I still need, when I need to sit down and collect my thoughts, I need that focus of literally typing it out. I need something to help me stay on that target. And why do we think if your wife needs a book, if I need a word processor, why do we think kids are any better at it than we are? That's a ridiculous expectation. Okay, well, thank you for joining us again for Edit Your Best, The Teacher's Lounge. Welcome to The Teacher's Lounge. This is a podcast based on the discussions of three educators as we attempt to use the 23 minutes that all teachers have for lunch to change the world.
or at least our teaching for the better. Mm-hmm.